Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Today, I want to walk through Psalm 51. You know, today we're going to talk about the idea of God searching your heart. You know, the title of the message is Search My Heart, O God. Because don't we want to experience the best of what God has for us? You know, don't you want to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to God? You know, and this message is so important for you to be established in because when you seek to follow God, when you seek to live a repentant lifestyle, in other words, being honest with God, going to Him and confessing what's going on inside of you, you better know that He cares about you and that He's not holding your sin against you and He's not seeking to judge you for what you're getting ready to confess to Him about, to get help for. He already knows. So He already knows. Jesus, in fact, already paid the price for what you're ashamed to go to God over. That embarrassment and that guilt and that shame that you walk in and you carry because of those things that you're dragging along that are still affecting your life that you don't tell anybody about and you kind of hide them from God and you hide from God maybe because you think He's angry with you or He's about to judge you or He's going to cause some difficulty in your life because of it and it's just better to stay away from God because you don't want to deal with all that. That's not who God is. God is a loving Father who will lead you and guide you into all truth. Absolutely, He will help you deal with those destructive patterns that you have in your life. Of course He will. He will remind you of who you are. You know, when it says specifically what the Spirit is doing in us post-cross, say post-cross, after the cross. We live after the cross, you realize, right? When you get these people that come at you with, quote, and, I'm not, and we don't throw the Old, the, the Old Testament away. We don't throw, you know, two-thirds of the Bible away. We just recognize that that law was fulfilled in Christ. And now we are in a relationship with God that is different than it was before Jesus. And we are in a place of acceptance with the Father, not where He's keeping track of our sins and our atonements and our sacrifices, but where He's relating to us to lead us along the path of living in reflection of what He's done to us by His Spirit, made you a new creation in Christ. And so He's given you strength and wisdom to live that way. But a lot of us don't live that way. You know, and so in a, in a lot of places, and I love the church. I'm not, and I'm not trying to say we got it all figured out and nobody else does. That's, that would be ridiculous to say. But God has called this place to focus on who you are in Christ, not who you are in your failure and your sin. Because you got plenty of failure and sin. You can come up, we can do an altar call every week, and you can get born again, 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 again. You ever been in those kind of churches? You get born again every week? You feel like... Gosh, I feel so guilty. I'm not even sure if I'm saved anymore. I guess I'm going to go down there and get my fire insurance again, you know. <laughs> Which is what salvation is to a lot of people, fire insurance. Not the power of transformation. And you can live transformed. But you have to be honest with yourself and with God. Knowing 
that when you are, he's not going to condemn you. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to repay the sin with rebuke. He's going to comfort you and lead you and guide you in all truth and give you grace for empowerment to overcome so you don't have to mess with that stuff anymore. Did you realize that you can be free from sin and it's not your own effort that earns up to it or attains it? You live in the power of His Spirit inside of you you know, and so it's because, of, because it's a spiritual power inside of us that we receive from God, it's difficult for us to, to understand, well, how, how do I do that? I don't understand the spirit stuff. It's weird to me. I don't get it. And people that talk about spirit stuff are weird, and I don't know that I want any of that, and it's strange. But it's, you know, it works the same way that your body extracts nutrients out of food to nourish your organs your lungs take in oxygen, and then, and then your body is designed to assimilate that oxygen, get it to your organs, infuse it into the bloodstream so that the blood can nourish your, your being, and the healthier you are, the better you feel. The spirit works the same exact way. You have a heart. You have an inner man that takes in the spirit of the living God, and it is life, and it is like spiritual nourishment and nutrient that is a tangible substance, I think, but we just don't really know how to relate to it, but it is active in you now. Say, the Spirit of the living God, living God is, in me, is in me, giving me life and health. Now, do you believe that? You know, the sun is way out there. Was it 93 million miles? Give or take. 93, 92 million, 900 and I don't know, <laughs> but, but, but it's way out there, but it nourishes it. I mean, look at the, this planet would die without the sun, but it's how far away, you know, God is more real. God, the, the life that God is giving us is more real than the nourishment that comes from the sun on this planet. You know how plants work. You put that plant out there and it, and it has to be fed. It has to have, to have the root system. It has to have, to have the proper uh, soil and water and nutrients. And then as that light shines on it, the sun shines on it, it's designed to assimilate what comes out of that sun to bear the fruit that it is encoded to, to bear. You are encoded to bear righteousness. You are encoded to grow holiness because you are by nature holy because of the cleansing work of the blood of Christ. Now, we talk about this. We go into these scriptures all the time. So if this is kind of new language to you, I kind of apologize a little bit because we're not going to look at a lot of scriptures that back that up. But there's tons of messages on our website that go into that, that validate scripturally those concepts. But it's all because of what Jesus did and accomplished for us and then what he does in us by his spirit. We have his new life within us to live. And his spirit is alive and active. Amen? And it's not weird. Say, God is not weird. <laughs> so today I wanted to walk through this process of looking at um, a couple of different selections in the Psalms. And then I actually want to end in just some ministry. Uh, well, it'll still be the same length of time. I'm going to preach less than I normally do when I walk you through this. But, you know, we're going to look at David. You know, when David said, King David, you know, that made so many mistakes... But God said, this is a man after my own heart. 
It was the throne of David that God said Jesus would inherit and last, and that throne would last forever. And David orchestrated the death of another man so he could have his wife. David was an adulterer. David lied to prophets. But yet God said, this is a man after my own heart. Why? Because he knew who God was. God didn't relate to him based on... So he didn't relate to God based on his performance, and God didn't relate to him based on his performance either. You know, it was a unique expression of what life would be like under the new covenant now that Christ dwells within us. And it's not that we're saying... Sin doesn't matter. You can get away with sin. Run on out and just continue to sin. You know, you know Romans 6 applies. What should we say? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, God forbid. Are you kidding me? That'd be dumb. Sin has its own merit, its own reward, death. You can continue in that path. But, you know, we spend so much time helping you become rooted and grounded in your identity in Christ so that you can be real with yourself and honest with God and actually have a shot at transformation rather than just playing church and hiding, doing the best you can and hoping you make it. I don't want that for you. Amen? Amen. All right. Would somebody shut that door back there? The kids are getting a little bit loud, please. Thank you. So we're going to start with, and, and Philip, I'm going to start this one, but then I'm going to have you follow me along if you would. I, you know, I was, I, Philip, I was thinking about you and Robin. And how long y'all been here? Nine years? And y'all have been so faithful. I appreciate you guys. I, I was just thinking that this morning. Show them some love. Honestly, I don't think I've ever heard y'all complain one time. Not one time. And, and uh, I don't know if I've ever said that out loud, which is unusual because... Well, Hans doesn't complain either. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just playing around. All right. But I appreciate you guys. Love you guys. So... This is David. Search me. All right, now, here's what I want you to do. You're not in listening to teaching mode. This is, all right, I'm going to open my heart to the Lord here. I want to look squarely in the face of God, sitting in his presence, knowing that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, knowing that God is my judge. But he judged Christ in my place so that we can then live, live lives that glorify the work that he's done in us. Not so that we, you know, it, it, it reveals an immature religious heart when you start talking about the fact that you're not under law but under grace if the, if the response is, well, what about sin? <laughs> okay, if that's where you want to go, let's talk about sin. Stop it. It's killing you. God doesn't like it. It's destroying your marriage. You know what I mean? Right. But if you hear, I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. And you hear, praise God. Whew. Man, I really do want to please you, God. I really do love this righteousness that you've given me. I really do want to live a, a devoted, holy lifestyle. But if I sin, I'll deal with it. I'm going to continue to lean on your grace, your power to overcome. I'm going to continue to, 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 to press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. I'm going to continue to try to live well and worthy of the calling in Christ. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, but I'm not going to be in the mindset that if I mess up, I'm going to use it as an excuse to run from God and stay in, stay in guilt and shame and wreck my marriage and wreck my family and, and wreck my calling because I feel guilty because of my poor understanding of who God is. Amen? Well, the newlyweds are having a lot of fun over there. What is going on with y'all over there? <laughs> no destroyed marriage in Jesus' name. You just got married. <laughs> the first year, though, you think, oh, my goodness, what were we thinking? But then the second year, you know, it starts right. We're already there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Y'all been together for a little while, so come see me. We'll set up an appointment. You know. First weekend, like, I went divorced. Listen, li listen, let's talk about the Bible. <laughs> Get it out. Just get it out. You all right over there? Is this a friend of yours or is this a... Okay, okay. I was going to say, this is a stranger. And he's like, what are these people doing in this place? Kevin and I grew up together, so he's used to... Oh, cool. Well, welcome. All right, so... And, and it's not like I don't... It's not like it's like, all right, no fun. Let's be serious. I don't, I don't want to do that because when we encounter God, it should be joyful. But I do want there to be some gravity to this. And, and this is not... I want, I, we're going to have an altar call where you come down and snot's flying and tissues are flying and you're, you feel bad. After this, I want you to feel better about yourself Amen. and God. Even though you might, for the first time in a while, face some things that you've stuffed and not been wanting to deal with. Because with God and His heart towards you, you finally can. Amen? Amen. Now, now watch. Um, this is David, and this is the mindset here. Search my heart, O God, and search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, we know the heart is the inner being, the inner man. Before the cross, it was wicked and deceitful. No good thing in it at all. But after the cross, what happened? God performed a circumcision on you without hands. This is Colossians 2, 9, 10, and 11. God performed a spiritual surgery on you and removed the old dead heart and put a new heart in you. And that new heart is your new nature. Say, I have a new nature. <laughs> this new heart, as promised, has God's law written within it, encoded within it. So now following God is no longer, let me consult some external stones external rules that I need to perform in order to be in right standing with God, which is what the Ten Commandments and all the rest of the 600 and something were also, right? They were external rules to you to obey. Now the law of God, the wisdom of God, the guidance of God, the prescription of how to live in this earth is encoded into you. In fact, it will do the same thing that your immune system is designed to do. It will release antibodies without you even having to think about it to fight off carcinogens that are in there working and trying right now. The, the law of God is such a part of you to inform your behavior and your thinking and your understanding and your actions as much as your lungs are designed to take in oxygen, designed to take in oxygen and assimilate and distribute to your body. The law is in you spiritually to rise up and guide you but not for righteousness' sake, for wisdom's sake, because you are already righteous in Christ. 
God, we're not in this performance, checking the boxes relationship with God any longer. He's changed us so that we'll just naturally follow Him and then we lead in God. But then we must be honest with ourselves in this process to deal with life in such a way. I just looked at that sweet little baby yawn over there and forgot everything that I was saying. <laughs> it's those babies that are so cute. I get distracted. She's amazing. Let's go back to this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. All right, so again, let's reset for just a minute. Kind of a meditative thing here. You're looking at God. Imagine if Jesus were standing in front of you. Like, let's just, let's just kind of do a little bit of a relaxation exercise here. Just, just relax your shoulders for a minute. Take a deep breath. You know, we carry so much stress. A lot of us just don't even know how to physically relax. Just relax for a minute. You know, relax your neck your jaw. We carry so much stress. Take another deep breath. Just acknowledge the presence of God. Holy Spirit, you're in this place. You live in me and you're manifesting in this place. Jesus, we acknowledge your presence. You said that you would be with us. You would never leave us and never forsake us. We want to look square into your face, acknowledging who you are, our King and our Judge but you are also our comforter, our wisdom. You are our sanctification and our redemption. You are my righteousness. You are my right standing with God. And you have changed me so that I can be forever in that presence. But I have some things I need to deal with. I have some things in my life that are not pleasing to you. I know that you're not judging me for those things. I know that you're not holding them against me, but they are hindering me. They are hardening my heart, and they are keeping me from following you. They are affecting my marriage. They're affecting my relationships with my children. They're affecting my job, and they're affecting my, my, the fulfillment of the calling that you have on my life. And I don't want that stuff in my life any longer, whether it be actions or attitudes or beliefs or holding on to trauma or offenses, whatever it may be, search me. And just tell him, search me, God. Search my heart and know my thoughts. I'm willing to be an open vessel to you, to be totally exposed before you. Because I know that you love me and you want the best for me and you will help me. Now, how did you feel in that moment? Do you feel a little bit guarded still? Do you feel a little bit like, I don't, I don't really know. You know, I'm not, ooh, I don't know if I want to get this serious with God. You know what I mean? Where, where does it go? Well, watch where David went. This is, I love this. This is so good. All right. <clears throat> and see if there be in me any hurt, and, and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So this idea of grievous is either offensive, like offensive toward God. So you're saying, search my heart, O God, and see, is there anything in me that's offensive toward you? Another translation says hurtful or harmful. Search me, God. I, want, I, don't, I'm, I, don't, want, I don't want to be... The 
the designer of my own path of transformation. I don't want to be the architect of my own faith. Are you with me? Do you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times we think, okay, well, here's what I need to do, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get this. And this is what I, this is what I need to work on. It's like, yeah, have your plans, but then also let it all go and just surrender. Holy Spirit, I surrender to you even in this moment to search me. And when those things rise up that I don't want to admit about myself and it causes that, that clench, ooh, I don't, you know what I mean? Are you with me? It's like, I don't, I don't want to think about that. Think about it. Let him see it. Let him shine the light on it. Because he can help you. And he wants to help you. And he will help you. We're going to go to Psalm 51. And this is, it's so interesting that the, the introduction to Psalm 51, it, it says, a contrite sinner's prayer for pardon. And I really, I really kind of hate, you can, you can pull that down for just a minute, please, Philip. I really kind of hate, and yes, I'm going to use the word hate, how repentance is facilitated in, in the body of Christ in a lot of ways. It's, repentance is facilitated almost with the assumption that you are worthless, that you, that you are dirty, and that God just, because he loves you, He's going to be merciful to you, even though you're just a worm. How many of you grew up in that type of, yeah, and maybe even still feel that way in some ways? And it undermines the work that Christ did in us to make us new. So, yeah, before when you went to God, you walked in and you were a worm. But now... You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what he did in you. So it's a paradox. You stand before him confidently knowing who you are in spirit, but admitting what you lack in reflection. Are you with me? Now, David did this. It's very powerful. It, the the uh, introduction also says, for the choir director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So, a lot of you know the story. If you don't know the story, King David, you know, they were at war. It seemed like they were always at war. They kept dragging God into having to fight for him, you know. If, if Israel didn't have God on their side, there'd be no Israel. But God protected the bloodline of the Messiah by protect, uh, upholding the covenant. So this is uh, Dave, King David would go up on his rooftop in the evening and he would look across and there was Bathsheba. Bathsheba was a woman that he fancied, let's just say it that way. And she would shower over there. Now there are children in the room and we try to discourage that behavior with the internet. Unfortunately, a lot of people are watching other people shower. But he did it just right there. I mean, peeping Tom type stuff. This perverted behavior to go up. Oh, let's see, Bathsheba's getting ready. If I go up there, I know that she does this. And in this particular part of her routine, she's going to be this. And I can see this today. So let me, go, let me get on up there and I can watch her. Are you with me? Yeah. 
You know, those we kind of like gloss over these type. We just tell the story, but it's like, no, I mean, this is, think about that. Now, women, how would you feel if there was a man regularly standing outside your window watching you shower? What would you think about that guy? Creepy. Creepy. Now, that guy is the guy that God said, he's a man after my own heart. He is the one that I will establish his throne forever. What? God sees differently than we do. And it's not that he saw something in David different than we do. It's that how he chooses to see mankind in general post-cross. And then the prophet comes to him, and he lies to the prophet. Well, so Bathsheba's over here, and he has Bathsheba's husband arranged to be on the front lines to be killed in battle so he could have Bathsheba. Think about that, women. You're peeping Tom. Okay, you you get the picture. All right, let's go. Psalm 51, you ready? This is after... David does this, right? We'd go to jail for that type of thing. God sends a prophet for restoration, and this is his response. Now, keep in mind that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God is not coming to you to judge you or to warn you of destruction because of you might lose your salvation, God is coming to you for restoration. So whatever the Bathsheba thing is in your life, whether it be an actual behavior, an attitude, something you're holding on from the past, these thoughts and plans that you have towards your wife and your marriage that are secret, these things that you don't want other people to know, those are the things that the Spirit of the living God is walking into you, just like He sent Nathan the prophet and He's saying, look, let's talk. Let's talk. And then David responds this way. He says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Don't don't go just yet. Because I want this to be, you know, kind of a meditative walk through these passages. Think about that. Is this how you respond? When, 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 you blow, when you blow it and you make a mistake and you ask God, you start to commune with God, do you say, God blotted out? No, you say, I'm sorry. We think we're supposed to apologize. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong. A part of repentance is to feel sorry for what you've done. But his expectation is, remove, just wipe it away, God. Oh, I, don't, I don't want that. I'm expecting you to respond to me graciously and lovingly. Is David trying to get away with his sin? No. It's been revealed. God sent a prophet and said, look, boy, I know what you're doing. And you try to lie about it, but this is what it is. And when, Dave, when, there, when there's no more hiding, when there's pure honesty before the Lord and you're not trying to get away with something, this is where I'm talking about, okay? That's the heart. Now, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
Now, here's one of the things that we get to appreciate and enjoy is that God has actually done this to us with the blood of Christ and made it. David was praying to be treated like God treats Christians. Do you see that? All right, let's keep going. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. There's no opportunity for self-justification when you're really going to deal with these things that you want God to search your heart over. Are you with me? I, I feel like I'm losing some of you, and I get it. This topic is sometimes it's like, and I'm going slower than normal, and I'm not giving you a teaching. Don't listen here. Listen here today. Just make the decision. I'm not listening here. I'm listening here today. I'm opening my heart to you, God. I'm listening from here, okay? It, it can change your life, I'm telling you. Those things that you hadn't dealt with, this is how you deal with it. I know my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in, my, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. This is what we're after. Truth in the innermost being. I mean, we're talking full-grown man stuff here. And woman, you know what I mean. We're not talking, uh, you know, I don't really like to go to church because they're just all sweet and kind of fakey. And, and you know what? You've got some stuff to deal with. Truth in the innermost part of your being. To not produce guilt and shame or conviction or condemnation, but to produce freedom. And in the hidden part of you, and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. All right, next. I think I may have been reading a different translation. So purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Say, I am clean. But it's paradoxical. You're sitting here. And I'm not, I'm not wanting you to just feel bad and focus on your sin. I'm wanting you to allow what can actually make a difference in your life to touch you deep in your heart. Now, some of you will connect with this and some of you won't. I pray that you find a way to connect with it. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Next one. Make me to hear your joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Now, if this were in modern day and David were a grace preacher, the religious folk would look at him and say, well, you think that God doesn't see your sin? No, he's, he's praying, God, don't, don't. He's not praying, oh, don't look at me. Don't look at my sin. He's praying, Lord, you know, in truth, in the innermost part of my being, as you're searching me, don't, I, I see my sin. You know, so this is the picture. He's before God and he's exposing himself and he says, God, search me. Search me, God. Search me. Yes, my sin is here. My sin is here. But don't look at that, God. Look at me. Look in my innermost being. I want truth in my innermost. Yes, I've got sin there, but I want your truth in me. You know, you're not hiding. 
You're connecting with God in the way that He wants to connect with you, even though you got some issues in your life. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. That is exactly what God did to you. Gave you a new heart and gave you his spirit. I think this is why David is a man after God's own heart, because he understood the effects of being born again in Christ, even though it was a mystery to him. You know, all those prophets back then, they looked forward to the day that we have. We have the Christ. We have salvation, the thing that they hoped and desired. We have it. Amen? So do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Will he do that? Will he cast you away from his presence? No, because you are in him. If you sin too much, is God going to cast you away? Are you sure? Like, really? Why? Because salvation is based in Christ. It's a legal transaction. Your salvation is a completed transaction. God would be a liar if he went back and rejected you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain within me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will be joyful and sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise, for you do not for you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You're not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Think about that. When you just crack your heart open before God, He's not going to despise you. Do you know what it feels like to despise someone? You, you're like, you just, you just don't, even, don't even touch me. You ever had anybody in your life like that? You, you just, they're, they're just, for whatever reason, they've become despicable to you. And you, oh, I don't even want to be around that person. You cringe. And maybe some of you experience legitimate trauma, sexual trauma or something like that, or, or just these relationships that become so eroded into destruction and toxicity. Maybe even some marriages that are listening right now, that's how it is. You just, you try to go and touch them and they just recoil. God's not despising you. God is not ashamed to touch you and be with you in spite of all of that stuff that you feel guilt and shame over. He wants to help you through it and empower you to overcome. And those marriages that might be experiencing that kind of thing, allow God's love for you to touch whatever it is inside of you, that hurt and that pain. You might have some stuff you got to deal with, but you can overcome. By your favor, do good to Zion. Zion is the church. Build the walls of Jerusalem, or the, the Israel. 
now the church, build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices. It's like backwards. All the religious things that we try to do to please God, it's like get your heart right with Him first. Know who you are in Him. Then engage in your rituals. Are you with me? Does that make sense? I don't want to go too much into that. And burn offerings and whole burn offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. See, we think we have to make these sacrifices to God for acceptance and then connect with Him. No, connect with Him. And then the response is serving and joyfulness. We're not offering the blood of goats and bulls anymore. You know, your repentance is not a sacrifice to God to forgive you. That's what, how we treat it. Under the old, you would bring something, offer it to God, and it would receive the judgment, and then God could relate to you through temporary atonement as if you were justified and temporarily righteous again. And we do that with our repentance. Christianity is horrible at living under the priesthood, the, Levit the corrupt Levitical priesthood system that it became, but we do it with Christian ritual. So in other words, we ritualize offering things to God to try to get from Him what He's already given us in Christ. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, I'm going to tithe so that you will bless me. No, He has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So you give generously as an expression of thanks. God, I bring, I'm, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. Please use me again. No. God has forgiven you in Christ. Yes, you go to Him and expose yourself and confess whatever you need to confess, but from a place of, I'm already whole with you. Amen? Amen.